Hey, welcome to BIV Today. This is the daily business news show from BIV and BIV.com. I'm Tyler Orton. I'm a reporter here at Business in Vancouver. And I want to welcome to the show one of our regulars. It is Craig Patterson. He's the editor-in-chief at RetailInsider.com. He can give us lots of insights into what's going on with a whole retail re-emergence going on in Canada right now. But first, Craig, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so it's been interesting because the last few weeks, we've had companies you know, coming out, they're opening their doors now. We're in these different phases, depending on which jurisdiction you're in in Canada. And we've seen a lot of investments going on with big companies. Let's start with Walmart Canada. They've announced, uh, what was it, like about $3 billion plus in uh, what they want to pursue in terms of innovations, renovations. Uh, you know, tell us what's going on and what the idea is behind Walmart's strategy. Yeah, I mean, the big picture is that Walmart really wants to compete not only with retailers in Canada, but Amazon. Uh, Amazon has seen incredible growth. I'm working on a project on the side, and we were looking at uh, the year-over-year uh, acceleration of growth for Amazon. It's mind-blowing. Um, I just cannot believe how quickly Amazon has grown since 2012, which was the first year that we were examining. Um, there's numbers before that. But, uh, you know, Walmart doesn't want to lose its status as being a big retailer. Uh, it's done quite well overall in Canada. So uh, now it's investing into digital. Uh, it's investing into uh, renovating stores, adding new elements uh, of, of excitement, uh, integrating the kind of online in-store experience. It's, uh, it's, it's really fascinating. Uh, you know, Walmart was, was beta testing a unique store concept in Toronto. Uh, and I think that elements of those will be rolled out. Uh, almost Amazon Go-like technology. Um, shopping at Walmart might become futuristic, and I don't think we would have really said that before. No, that's not where I would uh, initially go to. So I, I guess that leads me to my next question. Like, does Walmart desire to be the next Amazon in terms of e-commerce, or do they just not want to let go of kind of that brick-and-mortar hold that they have on Canada right now? It's it's good. It's a good. <coughs> sorry, it's a good question. As I aspirate something here. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I, Walmart has a really interesting advantage that Amazon doesn't have. Walmart has many physical stores. Uh, they can really work both channels, online and in-store. So, uh, you know, they can fulfill orders in stores. They can ship products if they want to. They've also got, you know, major warehouses. But, uh, it, it's, you know, in, in some respects, I think that they do want to be Amazon to a degree online. But I think they want to be both. They want to be a big physical retailer uh, that you can also access online. And I think that that's going to be quite compelling because, uh, you know, one strike against Amazon is they do not have one actual physical store in Canada that is in Whole Foods that they own, but that's different. I mean, they're not really integrating the, the Whole Foods uh, brand into Amazon in terms of, uh, you know, which they could, uh, you know, in, in terms of just, you know, selling stuff within their stores. It's still Whole Foods, right? So, um, Walmart, I think, really has that advantage of that physical presence in Canada. And uh, as shoppers, even though many are staying inside, uh, many are still going out and buying things, especially if you need something last minute, you know, you can get it at Walmart. Very often, it's going to be the cheapest. Yeah, and I honestly, I don't mind going to do like an in-store pickup if I know that I can get an item much sooner than if I had to wait a few days. I, I mean, I am on Amazon Prime. I, I use that, but sometimes... I don't know. I'm fine with, you know, going, I don't know, 10 minutes out of my way to go grab something. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still a habit we have. I mean, you know, ever since we were very young, we were shopping in stores and, uh, uh, you know, moving completely online would still be, I think, foreign to a lot of people. Not all. Uh, one thing that I think the pandemic has done is it has started creating more habits around online shopping. And you know, I, I regret to say that, uh, you know, before uh, I say I'm going to buy some new pillows, I would have gone over to the winter store up the street. Now I might go onto Amazon and order it because I'm like, well, I don't have to because they're kind of bulky to carry home. They're not heavy. They're just bulky. And I'm like, I just order them on Amazon. They're going to come to my front door as a package, possibly tomorrow. Uh, that just seems a little bit more compelling right now. I almost feel lazy saying that. <laughs> well, one thing that you brought up that I want to get into as well is kind of the, that integration between Amazon and Whole Foods as it's continued on. How have they fared? We're, we're more than a year into it at this point. Um, have things been going swell? Is it accomplishing what maybe Amazon hoped it hoped it would? You know, I'm not sure. I expected more of an integration of the brands. Uh, yeah. I mean, we didn't, I don't think that they wanted to decimate Whole Foods as we, as we knew it, but Whole Foods has transitioned. I mean, it had a Canadian head office at one time that was controlling decisions and they took that away in terms of they moved the decision-making to Chicago. Uh, from there, you know, I've had loyal shoppers because I live near, near one. So my neighbors shop there at Whole Foods and, and they said, well, it really went downhill. They didn't have those amazing food options that were brought in for Canada. They were saying Whole Foods was better in Canada than the United States in terms of some of its offerings and, and it had regressed. So now that Amazon owns it, I mean, from what I've seen, really what you can buy in Amazon, was it an Echo Dot or they had a few of these for sale at a till, but you don't really see much other than that in terms of, of Amazon. I mean, what kind of home delivery do they do? I would have expected Amazon to have integrated Whole Foods much more into the brand or at least offer that, you know, some of the amazingness that Amazon is able to to provide. So I, I'm really surprised that they haven't uh, uh, taken that much further. You also wonder if maybe they had acted earlier on kind of maybe the, those delivery integrations, what that would have meant for Whole Foods in terms of the pandemic with so many more people adopting kind of online groceries at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they have they have the means to accelerate this probably faster than any retailer that isn't, you know, primarily online. But uh, are they going to do it? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, they've had some time still to do this. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm not ordering stuff from Whole Foods online, but Sobeys Voila uh, has just entered the Toronto market where I am right now. And uh, you can set an, a one hour window to have your groceries delivered that you order online. Uh, that's pretty incredible. And that's quite compelling. Uh, I think that that's going to take market share. And you'll see that coming out to Vancouver with, uh, you know, uh, Safeway and other stores at some point. Uh, not sure when. So but but I expect it will. Well, let's talk about that parent company, though. Uh, Empire Company. Uh, they just announced, again, uh, huge investments moving forward for the, the one of the biggest grocery chains, if not the biggest grocery chain across Canada. I think there's like 1,500 outlets. But tell me about uh, the, this plan for the parent company of Safeway and uh, Sobeys. Yeah, yeah. So a bit similar to Walmart, uh, multi-billion dollars, $2 billion, multi, uh, you know, $2.1 billion investment, I believe. Uh, Again, investing online. I just mentioned Sobeys Voila, uh, which is an interesting name, but uh, you know, very much uh, delivery. Uh, you know, they're really competing. And if you think about it, you know, Loblaws is, is often known for having lower prices, say compared to your local Safeway store uh, or Sobeys, depending where you are. Uh, but now, uh, you know, Empire, the parent company, is really innovating. Um, they're they're doing a new test store in Nova Scotia where they're headquartered. Um, they're bringing in these uh, shopping carts where you basically can put your stuff into them. They'll 
register what you've bought, how much you spend, and and the the payment process is fairly seamless. You don't have to go to the checkout to you know pay for this and you know the traditional grocery experience that we've had. And it, it looks like they're really again embracing the digital uh, or at least the the benefits of technology to make a better consumer experience. And this may propel them ahead. So I, I suspect that you know what we saw Walmart make a big announcement. We've seen Empire make a big announcement. So I'm figuring, you know, Metro and Loblaws, I'm sure, are going to be doing something incredible because uh, the grocery industry in Canada, especially after Target had at first announced that it was coming into Canada, the Canadian grocery industry really put on its A game, you know, huge investments. I mean, they were obviously worried. Target was, you know, carrying groceries. Uh, Target was unfortunately a, a tremendous failure in Canada, but what I think it led to was some of the best grocery stores and chains in the world now are in Canada because we saw this phenomenal investment. Uh, we saw, you know, I mean, one of the worst things targeted was they announced where all their stores were going way before they opened. We reported on them <laughs> and, and, and these retail, you know, the other, the competitors out there were like, Oh, thanks. Uh, we're going to beef all this up. So uh, it's really led to, uh, you know, a lot of competition in the industry. And I think with COVID-19, we're seeing an, an acceleration in many respects of the progress in terms of technology use that we were already seeing. I, I'm saying within months, we're progressing within years. And wow. I find that really, really quite fascinating. Uh, uh, as a society, we're moving forward in a lot of ways, you know, socially as well, um, than we would have if, if we were, you know, kind of complacent and COVID-19 hadn't happened because a lot of, uh, you know, companies were dragging their feet. Oh, maybe we'll implement click and collect at some point. Oh, maybe we'll jazz up our website a bit at some point. And, and now it's just like, boom, 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 you know, do or die. Uh, and probably the industry needed that. Well, I, I remember just a few short years ago, the acquisition of Safeway had a rough start. Uh, there are concerns about kind of supply chains, people getting their regular brands. Um, there's a Safeway down the street for me. I, I go there often, and um, I have to say it's running pretty smooth now. There's also some better options price-wise because they have that complements in-house brand that they offer as well. How do you measure kind of the, the success of Safeway a couple years after this acquisition? You know, it, it seems to have worked so far. Um, I'm also wondering if uh, I don't think the Safeway name will be discontinued, but I know that Freshco has certainly taken over many Safeway locations. Uh, it seems, and I have shopped in some Safeway stores. I, I used to travel before COVID, so I've been around a little bit in Western Canada uh, until March when I had to come back uh, to this part of the country. But, you know, in, in terms of Safeway, uh, you know, the prices may be a little bit higher than some stores, but you're getting a decent experience. You're getting a wide range of product. Uh, uh, overall, I think that the Safeway business model has been very successful. Um, but I'm just wondering how many of them will exist in the future again with this uh, Freshco expansion, another uh, uh, division of Empire. Um, if you look in uh, the Alberta market, the local one that I have been shopping at is going to be turned into a Freshco at some point. So uh, Freshco being somewhat of a discounter of groceries. So, but maybe not bad for the consumer. Uh, they'll get some lower prices probably. Well, I, I want to jump over to the restaurant industry too, because we had two notable BC brands, Fresh Slice Pizza, as well as the White Spot Triple O's brand. They both announced expansion plans. This is all coming during kind of a pandemic. Uh, we had the big investments from Empire Co. and Walmart Canada announced during a pandemic as well. But tell me a little bit about kind of um, this thought process uh, of kind of going hard even during these uncertain economic times. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You think that people might just, just sit for a little bit and not 
expand, you know, with all of the uncertainty, but some companies are clearly going fast and furious with their expansions. And, and, and one thing to say certainly is um, food and beverage, you know, restaurant chains from Vancouver have been remarkably successful around the country. Uh, I, I've traveled across Canada. We've got Earl's, uh, Joey's, uh, uh, you know, the keg, these have all expanded across Canada, Moxie's. It's, it's really interesting to see how this has happened. Uh, you know, doing this during COVID-19, well, I don't, you know, I think those that are seeing the bigger picture are saying, well, this isn't going to be as big of an issue uh, forever. Uh, the world is still going to go on. People are still going to eat pizza or go for hamburgers, you know, triple O's or, or you know, uh, you know, the pizza chain, um, businesses still have to make money. Uh, they're taking a gamble, obviously, but I mean, a lot of business is about taking a gamble and taking that risk and, uh, you know, expanding to, you know, gain market shares to, as well as to expand revenue. So uh, it is quite remarkable that at this time they're making these announcements, but uh, uh, just speaking to landlords, brokers, businesses, because I'll, I'll keep it broad and including food service, um, a lot of them are just sitting doing nothing. I mean, if you think about the brokers, they need to make money still now. Um, there isn't, say, as much fashion retail leasing. Uh, they're going into food and beverage and they're saying, well, how can we make this expand? Uh, and hopefully those expansions are successful because, of course, we've seen many businesses not succeed. Uh, you know, as of today, uh, David's Tea has announced that it's, uh, you know, not opening like 90% of its locations in Canada, which is uh, uh, really quite shocking. So, you know, for, for some, it's going to be a tough time. So it's, it's an interesting gamble. Yeah, and look, David's Tea, it's, it's not the only brand that we've heard of having like some major financial issues amidst this pandemic. Do you think the pandemic, it's accelerating some already kind of shaky ground that these companies were on? Or are these companies on shaky ground solely because of, you know, all these you know, store closures that were caused by these lockdowns that we had to go into? It's a little bit of both. Um, if you think about the economic impacts of COVID-19, it's almost like the physical aspects or the physical, you know, how it's affecting primarily an older demographic, those that might be a little bit weaker with their health, which that doesn't necessarily mean a person's older, I suppose. But um, in the case, you know, of the economy here, we're seeing businesses that were already struggling, although shoes, you know, as part of their filing provided some numbers that we did not have because they're a private company. We realized that their debt position was uh, they probably would have had to file for bankruptcy protection if COVID-19 had not happened, uh, which wow. I found really quite fascinating. So uh, I think it's it's both. But what we're seeing first is the businesses which already were struggling with debt and then other financial hardships, say a low cash flow. Um, you know, they've been taken out very, very quickly uh, one way or another. And, and some of them are going to survive, but they're going to have to file and they're going to have to deal with this debt or whatever the situation is. Perhaps they've got some expensive leases for stores that they want to get out of. Um, but unfortunately, I have spoken to some businesses that were profitable before. They were forced to shut uh, during uh, the COVID-19 shutdowns. They were not obviously one of those essential retailers, as we might say. Uh, now they're struggling to the point that they may have to file for bankruptcy protection. And that's really unfortunate. So clearly a pandemic has hit some businesses uh, that otherwise would not have uh, seen that hit due to closures. But it is very much at the same time accelerating uh, the struggles that some other retailers were already having uh, and, you know, may have had to file. You know, I, in January of this year, I did a tally and found that over 1,000 individual store locations were set to open or close, I should say, in Canada. Um, there was already, you know, some retailers that were struggling a lot in Canada. And this is really 
uh, move that fast forward. Uh, I'm starting to call COVID-19 the great accelerator. Uh, we're seeing a, you know, an acceleration of technology and innovation, and we're also seeing an acceleration of the shuttering of businesses, which we're already struggling. Well, overall, are you optimistic for the retail sector? Or, I don't know, is there a bloodbath that has yet to you know, uh, come to fruition at this point? Again, a little bit of both. Um, I think, unfortunately, you know, government monies are going to run out eventually. There, there's support for staffing. There's, uh, you know, rent, uh, um, you know, rent abatements to a degree. Those that have been able to get it, I, I guess you would say. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, in the short term for some brands, this is going to be a very tough time. Uh, we're going to see, I think, more bankruptcy filings into the fall. I think January 2021 is going to be quite shocking in terms of the number of uh, retailers that will be closing some or all stores, uh, some filing for bankruptcy protection, some just shutting down. Uh, you know, it remains to be seen what the December holiday shopping season is like. Uh, you know, that can make it a break it for a lot of retailers. I should probably say November and December, but, you know, leading up to that time period, whatever people are giving gifts for, whatever religion or otherwise. Um, but, uh, you know, so in the short term, you know, here's the thing, though. Uh, some retailers are doing very well. Uh, there's one, uh, I don't want to give the name, but it's a, um, I think in Vancouver. Anyways, they, they're sort of um, make, maker goods. I mean, their sales are up, I think, $11 million over last year. I, wow. I've, talked to, I've talked to some luxury brands that have said that sales have never been higher. Uh, people are right now, they're not taking international trips. Uh, there's other things that they're not doing that they may have spent money on. Some people just want to treat themselves. So they're buying a designer handbag uh, instead of, you know, going somewhere that might be a little bit exotic. So, uh, you know, people still have that desire, especially if they have some money to do certain things that are fun. And uh, so, I, you know, I've gone around and talked to some, you know, brands that are in the luxury space and they're saying, oh my God, and they're like, we cannot believe how busy this is. But uh, what they're doing to sell is a part of it's on, on mobile devices. So uh, I think they were brilliant. They, you know, reached out to their clients while the stores were closed. Uh, you know, clients responded. They, they sh were showing them products, say, on either WeChat or WhatsApp or texting, whatever, you know, on, on mobile phones. Uh, and they're making uh, really high sales. So, uh, you know, the Balenciaga shop in Toronto was saying that they uh, were doing uh, record-breaking numbers, had their highest sales numbers, sales days ever. Uh, and this is post-COVID, I mean, or I should say post-COVID closures, because we're not out of this, obviously. But the um, same thing across the country. It's really quite shocking to see that some retailers are doing very well, but some are not doing well at all. Well, it is interesting, though. I mean, obviously, these luxury retailers, they're, you know, targeting a market that has not been hit as hard economically uh, by the COVID-19 crisis, because it's generally lower income people that have been hit so much harder, they're not going to have that disposable income to go into their regular stores as well. So it's just kind of that give or take, depending on what market segment you're focused on too. Absolutely. Uh, we're seeing lower priced retailers being very successful. Uh, you know, Dollarama can still be a quite a busy store. Uh, you go by your local winners or Marshalls. Sometimes there's a big lineup in front of that store. Uh, and again, they're, you know, discounters are off price. Uh, Costco, you know, has been quite successful and they're known for their uh, good prices as well. Uh, and then you, you know, the middle has been struggling in terms of that type of price point. Uh, I think concepts uh, that uh, maybe weren't as interesting to the public uh, are, are starting to fail, but then we're seeing the high end being quite successful. And, uh, you know, ter in terms of, I guess, being optimistic, I mean, I, I think in, in the long term, 
uh, a lot of good is going to come out of this. I know that right now, this is a challenging time. People have lost their jobs, but I think that we're seeing one of those accelerations into the future that we've seen in the past with the invention of the internet, the invention of the car, uh, the invention of the wheel, you know, many, a very long time ago. Um, I think that we're in one of those times uh, in terms of, you know, artificial intelligence adoption. This is something that I think is going to be quite big. Virtual reality. I know some companies out there that are uh, proposing some incredible stuff. I'm going to be working with one of them. And um, these are things that I've never seen before. So uh, the acceleration, you know, on the one hand of the closure of some businesses that were struggling, you know, is an accelerant. It's very unfortunate. But I think that we're moving into a really interesting future where there's going to be more technology. I think society is changing as well. Uh, we've seen uh, movements around law enforcement and equality, which I think needed to be discussed. Uh, with that shift, uh, if you think about it, people are becoming more open-minded. We were kind of set in a certain path. And, you know, when, when things are difficult and we're not struggling, we're less likely to change. But uh, now, you know, I think the world really has changed because our, we, we are faced with our own mortality or the mortality of our family with something like COVID-19. And I think with that, when things really, really shake up, um, we become a little more malleable in terms of uh, our perceptions of things. And uh, I, I think that's really, really quite fascinating because, um, again, I think that socially we're going to be progressing quite significantly here uh, within, say, the next few months that we may have seen in, in years or decades. Well, honestly, it's going to be interesting when we have a conversation. Uh, you're one of the regulars on the show, but when we have a conversation this time next year, I, there will be some fundamental changes that uh, we can break down uh, going forward. But uh, for now, Craig, I want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. That's Craig Patterson. He is editor-in-chief at RetailInsider.com. And that is it for the show today. But go to BIV.com. You can find more of our stories and more of our interviews there. See you next time. <laughs>